The scripture reading for today comes from 1 John chapter 5, 13 through 15. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know we will have the petitions that we desire of him. Can you hear me? Good. Is it too loud? This is... This may be the last message I preach out of 1 John. I'm not sure yet. I may separate this passage, but probably will be. But next week, I want to start in the book of 1 Peter. And you may ask why I'm going to 1 Peter. And the reason is, is do you know why 1 Peter was written? It was written to persecuted Christians. So Peter had in mind constantly when he was writing this epistle to people who were under spiritual attack and persecution from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, We are in a greater position now to be attacked by the world than ever before. The rest of the world is constantly in attack. They can't even report to us the amount of persecution that goes on in the world, okay? We just, we just don't know. And so we need, we need you to be understanding what persecution is and how to deal with it in Christ, okay? And no matter what it is. So that's where we're headed. Remember the book of 1 John is written concerning who? Not, you're finally getting it. Gnostics, Okay? Are Gnostics dead? They're still alive today. And they are still teaching the things that lead Christians astray. The reason this epistle is written is because Gnostics create within the atmosphere of a believer's life a position in them where they will select a lie... And begin to live their life based upon that lie. Did you hear that? Gnostics teach a philosophy that places within a believer a temptation to exchange their allegiance with Jesus Christ. And to follow their own personal will that have been influenced them by a philosophy. It's called Gnosticism. You do not understand the level of influence the Gnostic has over Christians' lives today. You do not understand it. You just think in the society that we live that many people's opinions are all right. Okay? We believe that. Oh, that's just their opinion. No, it is a philosophy that tempts believers to follow that teaching, which is a lie, 
and submit their will to God. Now, that's dangerous. That's why he wrote this book, and that's why the last chapter, the fifth chapter, is vitally important to understand what's going on. And it may upset some of you. I just want to let you know that. So we look at verse 13. He writes these things to you who believe in the name of the Lord, the Son of God, who you may have known that you have eternal life. So if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, if somewhere in your life someone taught you who Jesus was, of his life and death and sacrifice and resurrection, and you say, oh, I'm a sinner. I have sin in my life. I have bondage. I have things that I can't control. And you gave your life to Christ. And he came and entered into you, and you have eternal life. And in that eternal life, you have a relationship with God, which you never had before. Paul, in the end of this epistle, is just summarizing that to to let you know. You know. You remember, over and over and over again in this book of 1 John, he keeps talking about you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm saying the same thing to you right now. You know who Jesus is. You know what he has done. You know he has cleansed you. Okay? You aware of that? That's the way these Christians were. They knew it. Listen to what he says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he lives in my heart, I can approach God with a confidence knowing that he cares for me and loves me. I am his child. He is my father. And whatever I need, he will give it to me. Just like a child who is confident that their mother and father loves them and cares about them and will come and ask very important questions. And you will listen. They will even ask crazy things. I don't know about you, but my daughter, Brianna, one time said, Dad, we need to get a a seven fastener passenger van because everybody at school's got one why we had five kids and at that time Jeannie and I said no and she got upset you don't believe me ask her she doesn't remember do you I remember that the what no that's what the undercarriage is for You put them on the bottom. But she had the confidence, and your children have the confidence to come to you and say, I need a drink of water. Hey, I need new tennis shoes. Hey, I got a problem at school. This person treats me in in an inappropriate way. And you talk with them, and you pray with them. He's saying to these people, who love Jesus, you have confidence to go before your father. Now you'll notice there's a semicolon here. And I've learned that something important comes after a semicolon. 
It says this, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Hello? What do you need? What do you... We, we have a little dachshund, eight months old, nine months old. That, his name's Amos. He's really cute, my wife says. <laughs> that dog understands this concept because about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, it gets down off the couch where it sits beside Jeannie, and it goes over into the middle of the room and turns around and sits down and looks at us. And immediately, Jeannie and I know he needs to go outside, right? And so we get up. We see his, so he, does, he doesn't cower. He's very confident. And we get, if we are watching an intense program and we don't pay attention to him, guess what he does? He barks. And so we get up, Jeannie gets up and lets him out. <laughs> That's confidence. Okay, people... You have a relationship with God. And John is trying to say to them that you quit listening to the philosophies of the world and live in this confidence of intimacy that you have with Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? And if you live in that confidence, no matter how disastrous, no matter how disastrous, the set of circumstances that you are in, he will be attentive. Even though you don't know how it's going to be resolved, he will be attentive, attentive about it. See, that's why I can pray and ask you guys to lift up names, no matter how many they are, how numerous they are, no matter how complicated they are, no matter how disastrous they are, no matter what they are in your life, your relationship with Jesus Christ gives you confidence to say, God, I believe that in Jesus' name you will attend to this situation and that your perfect will will be done. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what he's writing here. He'll hear us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, now that's the key. I know that whatever I ask in the name of Jesus, he'll hear. Amen. I know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, uh, look at your body. Whatever it is, I don't care what you, what it is. Okay, you go to God and you say, God, I want a million dollars. He will hear it. Okay? Whatever you ask. We know that we have what we ask for. A million dollars? He sometimes says no. 
but he'll give you what you need. He'll give you what you need. Not what you think you need. God understands what you need. And whatever it is you need, he'll, he'll give it to you. Whatever it is. Now, he, he comes in this fifth chapter and he comes down to this point and he goes to verse 15 and then he, it's like he changes the subject in verse 17. And this is the dangerous part. And I come to this 15 and look at 16 and I say, oh my goodness, Lord, look at this. There's a couple of things that I need to remember. Number one, John was an apostle of God. He walked with Jesus for three years of ministry. He saw him raise the dead. He saw him teach the truth about God. He saw him heal people. He saw him cast out demons at one point over 2,000 at one time. He saw him deliver the gathering demoniac. He saw him calm a storm. He saw him be Lord of all. He saw him on trial. John saw this. John touched him. He ate with him. He slept with him. He held him. He hugged him. Jesus prayed for him. Okay? You need to understand that about this writer. He's not some intellectual who is separated from Jesus in time and space. He was an intimate, personal uh, ministry with Jesus Christ. You need to understand that before we go any further. Because in our day and age, we distance things. So he's speaking out of personal, intimate relationship. Verse 16. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death. Now wait a minute. What in the world does that mean? If you have a brother and sister who loves Christ and they're struggling with a behavior problem and they are a repenting Christian, does not lead to death. When you are repenting, you're not leading, you're battling, you're struggling. Okay? You should pray and God will give them life. That, that, we could talk for another hour about that phrase right there. And I want, to, I want you to understand this phrase. Because inside of me, if I'm struggling with a particular problem, like gossip. Gossip's a sin. Did you, know, did you know gossip's a sin? It is. God says it is. And if you're living in gossip, that means that that part of your life where gossip reigns, is not full of life. It's full. If it's not full of life, what's it full of? Death. So you can pray for me that I have strength in Jesus Christ to commit that to Jesus. And when that happens, life comes into that part of my life. That's what he's talking about. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. Now, Paul's concerned about something. He's now used the phrase twice. 
Paul. This is John. Keep me straight, Kip, is John. He's now used that term twice. He's writing to Christians. What in the world is he talking about? Uh, I just want to tell you down verse, you want to look down in verse 25, 20, there's no 25. Verse 21, there, there's a key. We'll get there in a minute. Verse 17 says, all wrongdoing is sin. So if you don't know what's right or wrong in your life, then you're not reading the Word of God, <laughs> okay? If you're not reading the Word of God, then you're doing what you think is right and not what God says is right or wrong, and not your personal opinion. And if you're reading a lot of YouTube writers, you're getting their opinion. The only place where the, the definition of right or wrong is found in Scripture and so you need to understand. Matter of fact, the second role of Satan is deceiver. And the only way to overcome deception, according to the word of God, is to know the word of God. Because when you know the word of God, you cannot be deceived. It is truth. And I will live my life based upon the word of God, which is the truth of God. And therein, the truth lies Life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so if I'm not living in the word of God, and I'm living in my opinion, then I'm in danger. Period. That's why the Catholic Church this week, just an illustration, the Pope encourages the cardinals to accept same-sex marriage. Why? They're not living based upon the word of God. They're making theological decisions which will cause death in many, many, many people that they minister to. Hello? That is what Paul... This is John, right? <laughs> Please keep me straight. That's what John is concerned about. That Christians who are trying to follow, you need to also understand that there were no theological books written back when this was written. Okay? Matthew's commentary wasn't written. The only, the only source of truth was the Old Testament in the epistles that were written when this was written, and, and a few gospels. And they weren't widely distributed. The only way a believer could know what is right or wrong is to do what? Ask the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And it says, John wrote in the 14th, 15th chapter, and 16th chapter of John, he said, I will send another spirit to you, the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth. The Gnostics were telling them they were that spirit of truth, and they were not. It's happening today. 
Do you hear this? There are people you follow on YouTube and the television and the radio that are not the spirit of truth. There's not the spirit of truth. All wrongdoing, verse 17. I'll get I'll just I'll go way off on this if I don't be careful. All wrongdoing is is sin. And there is a sin that does not lead to death. So there are many sins we can walk in that we're struggling with and we're battling with that is not sin. I love verse 18 because it tells me what John believed at one point in time in his life. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to live in sin. That means if you're born again, your desire is not to be sinful. Your desire is to be obedient to Jesus Christ. That's what your desire is. You don't want to continue to sin. And if you're confronted with a set of circumstances and you want to do what is right before the Lord God Almighty, but you're battling inside because you know that what they want you to do is wrong, that you're just battling. And that's okay. Repentance will lead you to truth. Show me the truth, Lord. The one who was born of God keeps them safe. Security in Christ. And the evil one cannot. Did you hear this, born-again believers? When you're in Jesus Christ, the devil, look what it says, cannot harm you. Luke says it in the 10th chapter, verse 18 and 19, and he said, and the devil cannot harm you. says the same thing. Are you with me? So, so don't let the world teach you lies. People, I want to explain because it says it two or three times. He said, there is a sin that does lead to death. He makes it. It's an emphatic statement. There is a sin that leads to death. He, born, unsaved people are already dead. They can't do anything to be led to death. They're already dead. So he's talking about what? People who know Christ. If John did not believe that was happening, he would have never wrote this epistle. He believed that there is something going on. Now let's move down to verse 19. We know that we are the children of God. That's what he says. You're a child of God. And that the whole world is under control of the evil one. So there's this battle. We're born again. There's the evil one, and they war against each other. Verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come to give us understanding. In other words, Jesus came to bring clarity to this battle that goes on between the children of God, the sons of God, and the world, the flesh, and the devil. So that we may know him in the battle. 
You see what I'm saying? So that we will know Jesus Christ in the battle. If you're in battle right now, you can know Jesus Christ. The, the battle may be a raging battle. You don't know what. It may have brought confusion to your life. But he will give you knowledge. So that we may know him who is true. The Gnostics of this day are not true. Jesus is true. His truth is true. That's why we must know the word of God. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He's making a definitive statement against something. And that's the philosophical teachings of Gnostic type people who have their opinions that do not line up with truth. Look at how he ends the whole book. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Idolatry. Did I say it right? Was it close? Sorry. Is that okay? What's he saying? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, as a born-again Christian, if you listen to the philosophy, as a born-again Christian, if you listen to the philosophies of the Gnostics in the world that you live in, you will choose in a willful way to not follow truth. And when you walk in that way where there is no truth, you are walking in death. And you will believe that what you're walking in is okay, but really it's a lie. And there is no repentance for it. Hello, did you hear me? Why? Because you think you're right. This is hard for me. So when my wife tells me I'm doing something wrong, I get upset. Do you like to be told you're wrong? I, I don't but then I go to Jesus and I'll say, Jesus, am I, is my wife right? And 99 times out of 100, she is. So I now know the truth. What I, the way I was living in my relationship with her, or with other people, or as a pastor in the church, she's right about. And I have to say, God, forgive me. Please change me. And that's life. You see what I'm saying? But if I live in a stubborn, willful way against the truth, I'm walking in death. Do you understand what he's saying? That becomes an idol. God does not get any credit, I do, for walking in the philosophical lie. I get the credit for that. And I'll have to pay the price. I don't want to do that. That's why early on in my Christianity at Huntington College, when I was going to school, God allowed me to know this in my deep ignorance. And it was deep ignorance. 
And I say, God, I want, to, I want to renounce everything that I know about God that is not of you. And I began to ask him to teach me the truth. Oh, I had to pray that often. When you go to school, you hear, I had a professor, you know what he believed? He believed that you're born without sin. How you like that one, huh? And that you learn to sin. And I said, well, what if some people learned righteousness? He said, oh, they won't. And I said, no. I don't, it says, everybody is a sinner. I took him to the Word. I showed it, and he explained it all the way. And I said, no, it says this. You're born with sin. He said, no. And I said, okay, God, is he right or is he wrong? And the Holy Spirit came to me. That's why he says, 13, remember, 13, 14, 15, they are written so that you can go and ask God anything. That's why he says, whatever we ask, whatever we talk to God about, he will hear you and he will answer you. And guess what? He told me, uh, he said, no, every man is born with death in him. I love that he, he was an excellent teacher of many other truths, but I renounced that, that lie, that philosophy. There are, there are many now. I could, I could list some of them for you, and you'd be shocked. My dear children, do not submit your will to Gnostic-type teaching that's keeping yourself from idols. Hey, don't be a, If you recognize somebody's teaching something that's not the truth, I mean, you know one of the, the, the philosophical things that are going on out there is that I'm a God and I can become a God. It's, out, it's being preached from the, the pulpit. Did you know that? I, I am a God. No, I'm not a God. How do I know? The Word of God says so, and the Holy Spirit told me I'm not. And by the way, it's quite obvious. <laughs> Did you know that there is, there is a Jewish man who, uh, who teaches, what, Lord God, what is it exactly? He teaches that I have divine knowledge that is beyond the divine knowledge of the Bible. Did you know that? And that we have the ability to create intelligence and technology that they can transfer my intellect and consciousness into artificial intelligence. Did you know that's being taught? He's a little Jewish man. He's gay. He's, he's a retrobate. I mean, if you leave, live, that's exactly what he's like. That's what he is. But he's teaching this. And you know he has conferences and thousands of people come to it and they listen and they applaud him. And you know what God brought to my mind? And he says, don't trust in things 
that can be stolen from you or rust. Guess what artificial bodies do? They rust. Don't they? The mechan- There's nothing a man can't make that will not rust. Jeannie and I have arthritis. That's a little different. That's supposed to be funny. Uh, See, I could go on and talk about it. It's ridiculous, the philosophies of this world. So we're going to ask the band to come, and we will miss Azriel. God bless you. Give her one more hand. And we're going to trust God to continue to train young people like her in the future, right? We're going to trust God. Yeah. Let's stand. See, I can't be in all of your minds. I don't. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you don't believe. You you understand? I don't know the troubles you're going through and the difficulties that you're having. But I do know this, that if you have given your life to Christ, Jesus lives in you, that he'll lead you into all truth. He will come to your trauma, your loss, your loneliness, your confusion, your difficulties, and he will teach you the truth. And it will lead to freedom. I know that about him. There is no bondage, no lie that has dominion over the life and mind of a Christian who Jesus Christ is the Lord of. None. So if you you need to give something up to the Lord, we'd love to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. If you've never known Christ and you'd love to give your life to the Lord, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, take this feeble attempt And let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work, the completing work, the fulfilling work, the sanctifying work, so that Jesus Christ can lead us into life. Thank you for John. Thank you for this epistle. Thank you, Father. Just transform us and keep us from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, please come forward as we sing this song.